Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome into the Gamecock Central post-game show on um, this week for North Carolina. I am one of your hosts, intern Joe. With me is former Gamecock quarterback and also co-host of the GC Live post-game show, Michael Skarnecchia. Michael, it's good to have you back. Week one, football is back. Um, just kind of give me your uh, instant thoughts from that game. Yeah, I think like a lot of game cognition, it's it's not what we expected going into game one. I think there was more hype around this offense um, around the returners that we had, some of the new fresh freshmen that we have coming into the um, to the new year. And then with Spencer, especially with the way he ended last year against Tennessee and Clemson. And I'm not don't take that statement as a negative towards Spencer. Yeah. Spencer played his ass off tonight. I think he was doing as much as he could to try and keep us in this game. Um, but I think there's a lot of areas that we need to figure out going forward because early on in our season, we have a tough schedule. You know, we have Georgia, Tennessee, Mississippi State, A&M. It's going to become a, a rough ride early on, and we need to figure things out before we go into that stretch. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, with game one, we Mike and I kind of talked about it on Talking Tuesdays. We said, you know, it was going to be sloppy. It wasn't going to be a whole complete – you know, picture of what this offense is going to be. But I, I certainly think that, that they're starting to paint the picture of the offense. I think we're starting to see, obviously, we got the first look at it tonight. Um, I, I think it was more of a complete offense tonight. Obviously, you couldn't get the job done in the red zone, which was what ultimately cost you. But, I mean, 
Gamecock fans should be excited. I mean, this time last year, I don't think there was really any sense of identity in this offense. Um, but I think Dowell did a good job overall, just calling plays and stuff like that. Obviously, there were some situational things that you wish you could have done better. But to me, that's week one. Um, Mike, you're down on the field. You were there. What are your thoughts from this one? Well, you guys may have already hit on it. I think the big thing is just the offensive line. Um, yeah. You guys may have hit on it, but the offensive line was just atrocious tonight to the point where you allow eight sacks. And to give you an idea of how bad things were, North Carolina, they only had 17 sacks as a defense last year. So I bring that up because, Joe, we talked about this earlier in the week, and we talked about it on Talking Tuesday. We talked about it on the Thursday afternoon drive show for GC Live. Nine sacks, all right, we were on the elevator when we were coming down, so it even got worse. We gave up nine sacks then. We talked about as – Recently, as Tuesday night, they still yeah. were trying to figure out who the heck their left and right tackles were going to be. We heard from Dow Loggins on Wednesday, the offensive coordinator, talking about that. So, look, I understand the frustration, okay? I understand the frustration. And I'm not trying to sugarcoat stuff. But the bottom line is I don't care who your quarterback is. I don't care who your running back is. If you don't give your quarterback an opportunity to make plays, and God bless the fact that you have Xavier Leggett. God bless the fact that you have Leggett because if it wasn't for Leggett, Rattler was making some things happen, okay? And I'm not saying that Rattler doesn't have any of the blame to put. You can put some blame on the quarterback, right? Come to the territory. But the offensive line, it was so bad to the point where I had multiple former game talk offensive linemen reach out to me. Reach out to me in the middle of the game and say, Mike, I don't want to be in that film breakdown on Monday. I don't want to be because whatever they get graded out at, it could be probably one of the worst we've seen in quite some time. And again, I'm not trying to be trying to over-exaggerate with it. I, I think it's the God's honest truth. There was no offensive line play tonight, specifically at the left and right tackle positions. Yeah, I completely agree with you on there, Mike. Like, if we want to have a chance winning these games, especially a lot of the what we consider toss-up games going into the SEC play, we're going to have to figure this out. We have one of the most talented arms in the nation, and I don't care what any fan says. We've seen what Spencer can do when he has time. And heck, we've seen what he could do when he didn't have time. He went 30 for 39 today with – I don't even know. I think, I think he got pressured every single snap. Mike, thank you for bringing that up. And I only want to cut you off real quickly because there's some people that feel like tonight's on Rattler. Again, quarterback, it's always – they're always going to take some type of heat. They're always going to get some blame. But tonight was not Rattler. He yeah. was making things happen. He was making things – the old line, it was, again, the left and right tackle positions in particular. Yeah, 100 percent. You know, Rattler, he did his best to keep us in the game um, early on those first couple drives, excluding the first drive of the game, which I thought didn't understand the play calls, especially going into week one. You have all this game plan going in. You know how your first drive is going to be. And that trick play or whatever, I think it was supposed to be a trick play. Wasn't quite certain what Leggett was or what they were trying to do there. Mm -hmm. So you start off a little slow, but then they bounce back the next couple of drives. And I see some, some opportunity in how we could take this game and, and run away with it. I thought that we called a really good game in the first early and second quarter. And I thought we showed some ability to, to run away against UNC again. But it's a four-quarter game. And Spencer did not have the time that he needed to go out there and play. And it also doesn't help when you have excluding sacks, I think, what, 20 rush yards in the entire game, which is just it's not going to help. When you don't have time, you need to be at least be able to establish the run game. And that's one thing we couldn't do out there. We couldn't establish the run game whatsoever. And so I think what Dow's going to need to do going in the future is starting to 
stretch the field, do some stretch runs, start doing some more RPOs because right now we need to find a way to find an alternative to the run game, or we're going to have a long, long season trying to pass the ball downfield. You know, we're so we'll see what they do for the adjustments going into Furman because now going into a Furman team, while they are a good team in their respective division, we can test some things out to see how we're going to, what we're going to do going into Georgia, you know, because that's going to be the real test that becomes a, a very tough stretch of games. And so we need to figure some things out over the next two weeks. Mike, I'm going to cut you off real quickly. Intern Joe, you have Vincent on the line. Vincent, what you got for us? Yeah, Vincent, go ahead, boss. Yeah, hey, everybody. appreciate you having me on tonight. Uh, you know, a little disappointed with, with the outcome, but always love the game cost. I, I just had a question, of course, about the offensive line. And really, is, is there anything about the question surrounding the offensive line that can actually be solved, right? Is it a technique issue? Is it a scheme issue? Or is it simply the guys are just going to get beat up? Like, especially against Georgia, some of the other teams are going to be playing. Like, is, do you see anything talent-wise? Like, are we just going to be in trouble? I don't know. I mean, I know it's the first game. I don't want to overreact. I just wanted to hear y'all's opinion on what can actually be done to solve some of these problems. Yeah. Vincent, thank you for calling in. Appreciate you, boss. All right, Vincent, I appreciate it. Mike, I'll, I'll let you have this one first. You know, yeah, where so, does the O-line go from here just based on what you saw tonight? Because you had a chance to watch it from home, yeah. which you can see obviously more. And as a former quarterback, especially when they had the tight shots, you could see a lot. Yeah, 100%. So there was definitely some things that I don't know if they're going to be able to solve overnight there were some there were some bull rushes there were some techniques that were being on a one-on-one block versus the end that our guys were just flat out getting beat and so that's really comes down to talent and will and i think more so talent so really we're going to have to try and figure something out internally about that the next thing i think that i saw a lot of is unc unc ran a lot of stunts well you know for the fans who are out there who don't understand what a stunt is it's essentially like a crisscross with the two dns to where you have the inside tackle, D tackle going to the outside where the end is supposed to go. And so it mixes up the assignments for the offensive lineman. It creates a difficulty for them blocking. We weren't passing things off quickly enough. Too many times were the D lineman doing stunts and getting pressure to, um, to Spencer and stopping our runs that way. And I don't know if that's just, it can't be lack of experience. We have a bunch of mature guys on that offensive line who should know by now how to call out proper stunts and adjust quickly because it's a fast paced game and those stunts happen really quickly. And so you don't have time to think, you just need to react. And so really this all should have been handled throughout fall camp, spring camp, spring ball, all of this. So the fact that this is happening now, we can't figure out how to pass things off and handle one-on-one bull rushes against good D line. I wouldn't even say they're, you know, they're good D line, but that's another question. Is this going to be one of the best D lines we've faced all year? Or is this just an average D line? And that's how it's going to be all year. We're yeah. Keep that. Keep that comment up, Joe, from Frederick. And, Frederick, we appreciate you being on the show tonight. It's hard to call plays when you can't block. Even where he gets hurt, change the defense. I want to look at that first part, though. And, I, look, we're, the theme tonight, obviously, is talking about the offensive line. But don't get me wrong. There were issues on the defense, right? I mean, they did some good things. I thought they made some adjustments yeah. after maybe that second drive in the third quarter. And they were able to tighten down a little bit, forced a couple turnovers. But the tough part about tonight is this. You're going to have people that watch tonight's game. You're going to have people that go to the stat sheet and they see the rushing yards. I want to pull this up again. And they see the lack of rushing yards that South Carolina had. Now, obviously, because of sacks, 
it was a little worse than it would be since Rattler had negative 22 and a lot of that had to do with sacks. I bring that up because there were things tonight that even if there were bright spots, Mike, it's tough to sit here and be like, man, we can hold our hat. You know, we can hang our hat on that. Again, Xavier Leggett had an incredible game tonight. Had an incredible game. I'm going to scroll down just so people can see those stats from Leggett. Nine catches, 178 yards. I mean, he was absolutely incredible. But I I bring that up because there were things that I saw. and, And tell me if I'm wrong, Mike. You know a hell of a lot more about offenses than I do. I was a defensive guy. There were certain things that I saw with the offense tonight that made me say, okay, I like what they're trying to do here. I like what they're trying to do in comparison to where they were a year ago. But because the issues with the offensive line, it seemed like they had to go to maybe, you know, more screens, more short passes, more quick game, just because they weren't trusting the O-line up front. And after what we saw throughout the course of the night, almost allowing 10 sacks for crying out loud, can you blame? Can you blame Dal Loggins for going with the type of offensive uh, scheme that he had to call? Again, that's what I just felt. Yeah, no, and I think you're right. And you bring up a good point about having to go towards those more shallow routes. I think they went to that almost to a fault. We started seeing it on third down, third and long, second and longs. And I think Dow was just at a loss for what he needs to call because the long play, the long developing plays that are 10 plus yards were not going to happen unless Spencer made something in the backfield by maneuvering around and creating time. So he probably just reverted to what he was like. We need to be able to get our athletes in space and see if we can create anything. Because right now, if we don't, Spencer's going to be running around there or getting sacked. And so I understand where he's coming from. I think to an extent we went too far when it was fourth down and long and we ran a comeback that was 10 yards. Didn't really make a lot of sense to me. Could have been Spencer's fault in the aspect that that's not your main read and you got to know as a QB to get the entire yards. But Spencer probably also, his internal clock, that's usually probably pretty normal, it probably started speeding up way quicker. I started noticing when he was just dipping out of the, uh, the pocket much quicker throughout the game. I don't blame him. As a QB, when you're getting pressured almost every single time, your internal clock's going to go faster. And so that makes everything much more difficult when you're trying to allow things to develop. Because when you're moving around, receivers now have to adjust. So now they're not running the routes that are supposed to be designed to get them open. And it creates a whole issue on the offensive side. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Joe, you said yeah. you had something about injuries. What you got for us? Yeah, injuries real quick. I mean, I think the offensive line play, obviously, as poor as it was. Um, I was talking about this earlier off off air, but I think with the amount of rotation that you had in the offensive line, I think that was a very big blow to the ability of, of the group to stay you know, on track with what they were doing. I think with the amount of subs, you saw guys go down. I mean, Sidney Fugar was in there. There were a couple spots where it just like – you were lacking a little bit and you could tell that they hadn't been working with the first group. They weren't necessarily meshed in with the first group yet. And so, I mean, I, th- I think that certainly played a role and you're right, Mike, Mike and Mike both tonight. I, I love that. Um, but I-, I think Spencer was running for his life tonight. I- you got to tune up the pass blocking. I think run blocking too. Y- you got to be better. I think it's possible in the offense. And I, I-, I liked how Dowell kind of steered away from running the football. You saw him do that later 
in the game. You realize you got to throw the football, and he did, which, again, I, I brought this up earlier in the show, I think is a change from last year. I don't think we would have seen that adjustment or as drastic of an adjustment, you know, throughout a ball game. But, um, I mean, yeah, offensive line, you, you got to tune it up. But the guys that haven't been working with the ones, it's, it's really, really hard to, to have that camaraderie, camaraderie and be on the same page with everyone, with the ones and stuff like that. So uh, – I think that, that played a part into why the offensive line was so poor. And then uh, injuries, Mike, it, it, it sucks. It's, it's, it, it's what comes with week one. And I mean, you got to move on. Hopefully everyone's good. Obviously Mo Caba, that's a big name. He was on crutches. You hope he's going to be all right. We'll see what happens with him. I'm interested to see what Shane has to say about him and also to even worry. So, I mean, we'll see, but injuries, it sucks week one, but you got to we'll do it. And we'll come back. We'll talk about the offense in a little bit because I know there's some people saying, where was this guy? Where was that guy? We'll get yeah. to that a little bit, okay? And a lot of that has to do with the younger players, which, you know, we'll get we'll get to that. Defensively, because I don't want to seem like we're just blaming it all on the offense tonight. Because, again, you look at towards the end of the game, South Carolina had an opportunity to not only make this one possession game, but based on what they did, there was chances for them to be able to take the lead if they were able to capitalize in the red zone. The crazy stat is this. It doesn't even include the onside kick to start off the second half, which, I mean, you want to talk about having cojones. I mean, good Lord. Pete Lembo, Shane Beamer, love what they did. Unfortunately, and this is the difference, what we saw tonight from last year, when they capitalized on those special teams trick plays, when they capitalized the roll on the dice, what do they do? What do they do? They would go down the field and they'd score. Okay. So you want to throw that in. Rope that one in. I know it doesn't show up in the box score. Throw that one in there on top of the two turnovers at South Carolina for us tonight. Guess how many points they were able to get off that tonight? Three. Three points. So the point being is this. There's issues with the offense. And, again, I think a lot of us agree with the fact that it starts and it stems from the offensive line, specifically the left and right tackle positions, two positions that, again, as recently as Tuesday, I was, I, was, I was talking to people, most of the program, and that's what they were telling me. They said, we're not 100% sure what that's going to look like quite yet. Now, having said all that, defensively, there's some good things I, I want to get to, but obviously we got to talk about the ugly stuff. One thing that yeah. we talked about for the last freaking, what, seems like the last month, improving the run defense. That wasn't the case tonight. And the sad thing is, too, the sad thing is, too, at times, South Carolina – they had their chances to be able to make some tackles. And what happened? They missed. That's why the run defense wasn't great tonight. There are a lot of times they were in position. They're not finishing tackles. How many times have we said that over the last couple of years? That's the frustrating part, Mike. What did you see from this defense? Yeah, there's two things that I saw from the defense. One, one you were just talking about with the run. We were not good at tackling and stopping and plugging the holes to stop the run. Early on, I thought, okay, we maybe have figured things out because they had a tough time running in between – the line or running in between the tackles. And so I was like, okay, maybe we have something figured out here with the offense or with the run defense. But as the game went on, that proved not be the case. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I think that I saw that I, that definitely didn't help us was when Nick went down, Nick even worry. Yep. Because one thing I think they saw this too as another defense and they tried using this as a, as a, a way to resolve the issue with the run defense is they had their safeties screaming up the field. If you saw how many times those safeties were up the field, in the backfield, making the tackles, it, a little too much for my liking because now it exposes you to the pass game and deep threats. But they found a way to get those safeties involved when there's a when there's a run. And I think that is one effective way to stop the run. But it doesn't. it's not going to be a long-term um, resolution to how you're going to fix 
the run defense. The next thing is this. I've tried, I really tried calculating how many times Drake May was pressured, especially on drop back passes. I don't think many. I think <laughs> one or two. I can yeah. only think of one, and that was towards the end of the game. You need a better exactly. push. Very, very rarely was he able to, was he pressured and having to roll out of the pocket to or make late it in the third quarter, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the time he just dropped back, had the time to read the field and find his receiver that he was open. And so that's another issue we're going to figure out. We have got to put pressure on the QB because we I think we do have good DBs out there. Now our 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 safeties on the slot receivers and on the tight ends, they were struggling in one-on-one matchups. I did notice that. But we have got to put pressure on the QB. We've got to find a way to get somebody in his face because when we face good QBs we can't just let him have all the time in the world and obviously the yeah. injuries piled up tonight I know Joe you mentioned that and I, I want you Mokaba to weigh in too. on it yeah but too I mean the, the injuries piled up look we could sit here and talk about the injuries because they, they played a yeah. role but I know in a portion of the fan base and I agree with you you can't just blame everything on injuries I agree with you specifically yep. talking about the defensive backs as a whole as a whole injuries included whatever we knew going into tonight, we knew going into this season, you're replacing two very, very, very talented cornerbacks, two guys that got drafted, right? Darius yep. Rush and, and Cam Smith. And I'm not saying that Gamecock fans took it for granted heading into tonight. I mean, I thought OD did some good things. As I thought Mar- Marcelo style. But it's just that consistency factor. Now, here's the problem, too. You're going up against one of the best quarterbacks you're going to see all season, okay? Yeah. You had to be ready tonight. Hopefully tonight's a wake-up call for some of these defensive backs. Yeah. But it's South Carolina has been very fortunate over the last couple of years, especially during the Torian Gray era, to be able to have guys that are ready to go, right? Next man up. That's why they've been able to lead the league in turnovers uh, two years ago and then last year finishing second in the SEC. They need to be able to find a way to be more consistent, right? We talk about it, Mike, money downs, third downs, right? Being able to get off the field. I mean, I, I don't have it in front of me right now, but I don't think you have to look at the stat sheet to to know that South Carolina, they struggled with that tonight. They struggled to be able to get off the field. I'm looking down here. Perfect for you. going to share it right here. Okay. Third down, efficiency. Eight for 13. Eight for 13. If you can't get off the freaking field on defense, especially on those money downs, how yeah. the heck do you expect to beat anyone? I think that was one of the more frustrating things is that there were times that South Carolina, don't get me wrong, North Carolina had some third and short situations. I get that. But there were times where it was, okay, third and seven, third and eight. They had UNC behind the sticks a little bit too. And yet you have a, obviously a talented quarterback and you gave them that second life by being able to give them a first down. In North Carolina, they were able to capitalize off some of those drives because of those third down conversions. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so my quick thing about the defense, I think you missed Mo Kaba. Shane said in his presser on Tuesday that you know Mo was going to be the third linebacker so in. Good. And well, so, so does a bacon uh, burger with creamy peppercorn ranch. Uh, that since Mo Kaba, I think, you know, you missed him defensively. And like Mike said, I think you, your front seven needs a better push. And I mean, when you're running with your two linebackers and Devo Williams and Stone Blanton, you need rotation at linebacker. And and they said this room was going to be really deep, but you didn't get, you know, what you wanted out of your defense. I mean, really at all um, tonight, I I think, you know, personally for me, I I would have liked them to see go or see them go uh, more zone coverage. We saw a lot of man out of a really inexperienced secondary. 
Um, so that's kind of really, I mean, play call wise, the only thing I'm second guessing is as a defense here, but I mean, yeah, injuries, 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 but at some point you got to get a push up front. Um, Boogie Huntley, Tonka Hemingway, all those defensive linemen. I mean, you just got to get a better push, better shove. You're right. I mean, Drake May's hard to tackle. Sure. But I mean, they really didn't disrupt the pocket too much. And then the run game too. I mean, UNC's run game, we knew this, it was going to be experience going in. They've got the senior running back that, you know, just kind of ran the ball down the defense's throat. So just got to get a better push, fill your gaps, running the ball. Um, and, and shout out to Drake May. I mean, he, he really, really played well and played as advertised, and it's hard to beat. Yeah, real quickly, if you want to call into the program, let us know. Having plenty of comments tonight, and we have a lot of people tuning in tonight, so we appreciate you. Obviously, a disappointing loss tonight for South Carolina kick off their 2023 season as they fall to the Tar Heels 31-17. to Call into the program at 803-881-2233. You can either ask myself or former Gamecock quarterback Michael Skarnekia a question. Mike, bringing it back to the offense for a minute, it looks like we might have a phone call in a second, but I understand the frustration from the fan base when you talk about, okay, where did we see this guy? Why didn't we see Nicholas? Going back earlier in the week, going back earlier in the week, Shane Beamer shared how the, there was a number of players, and he went down the list, Spencer Rattler, Vershawn Lee. Like, he just went down the list. The number of players that are starting this weekend, or excuse me, started tonight, that redshirted their freshman year, okay? Now, obviously, the rules have changed over the last couple of years, so some of those guys just redshirted straight up. Some of them were able to take advantage of being able to appear in four games. I say all that because while the rules have changed since you played, Mike, this – I'm not saying everyone, but there's a, a small portion of this fan base that is like, why isn't Harbor out there? Why isn't this out there? Well, outside of the fact we're talking about Harbor, Harbor was banged up, okay? Harbor yeah. was banged up. He missed a portion of practice. Yes, he played on special teams tonight, which I think, again, I've been saying this for the last couple of weeks. I think he's going to make more of an impact on special teams than as a receiver this year because he's still learning. He's still learning. But what would you tell that – what would you say to that portion of the fan base – that is itching for so many of these young players to get into the game. But at the same time, too, it's game number one against a power five team. And you're talking about freshmen, yeah, freshmen and how they have to still continue to come along. No, 100 percent. You know, when freshmen come in to the season and they come in in the springtime and they're trying to digest, especially with the new offensive coordinator, the, the playbook difference from a high school playbook to a college playbook, all new signs, all new signals, everything that goes into learning this. It's significantly different. And so a lot of people don't adjust quickly. And the coaches are smart. They're not just going to put somebody out there to put somebody out there. If a player is ready, someone of Nick Harbour's caliber, if they're ready because the player, the coaches trust them, he's shown that he can understand the playbook. He can go out there and not make mistakes when it comes to a route. He can do all of his right assignments and run blocking. Then they're going to put him out there. But we also have to put a factor in that people like Nick, we don't want to rush him back if they're young and they're hurt from fall camp. And so we got we have a long season ahead of us beyond just this. SEC play is going to be more important right now going forward, considering that we just lost. But, one, you don't want to rush freshmen back out there onto the field. Even if they're super talented, coaches know coaches see what we don't during the fall camp. Correct. And some of these guys may have shown that they're not ready to be on the field. And these other more senior guys are ready. And while it may not have always showed on the field tonight – it, it could have been maybe potentially a lot worse putting these young guys out there. And a lot of fans may be more hypothetical and say, well, well it could have been better if we put them out there. Well, I'm going to trust the coaches in this aspect. They saw way more of these players play and they know that you can't just rush freshmen out there. 
look what – if a freshman gets rushed out there and they're confident and they don't play well, their confidence could be crushed. Yep. I don't think people understand how important – look at Xavier Leggett. His first couple of years here, he got rushed onto the field. He didn't perform early. He didn't perform well on early. His And that crushed his confidence going forward for the next couple of years. He finally has gotten it back. And you see what his capabilities are. Thomas, so you got me? Just rush people in. Okay, That's cool. We got you. All right. Joe, who we got? We got Thomas on the line. Thomas, go ahead. Yeah, I, I really uh, – why we didn't put Harbor in. Um, if not, uh, down the field, maybe on a, a defensive scheme, get to that quarterback, you know, he's got that defensive experience. Um, I'm really worried. I don't know if this can be fixed this year. That's my main concern. Um, I know we'll improve some, but um, this is not looking good at all. Uh, that's all I got to say, you know. Oh, gosh, I guess. <laughs> Thomas, we appreciate you calling in. And, and again, look, I understand that. But, I, and it's a big if, Mike, but if the offensive line blocks tonight, I mean, how much are we really talking? I mean, there's obviously, I'm not saying everything was all sunshine and rainbows on offense outside of the old line, but that's where a lot of it stemmed from. Defensively, as we talked about before, it starts with being able to stop the run. And we've talked about it a lot, really, over the last, I'd say, I don't know. Ooh, 18 to 24 months since Shane Beamer and the staff have, have come in, really going probably 36 months, the fact of trying to build up both offensive lines and defensive lines, right? Just being able to build the trenches up. That's great. That's great. But unfortunately, a lot of those players, going back to what you were just talking about before, Mike, they're young players, right? doesn't matter if they're a four-star. doesn't matter if you bring in a five-star next year. Yes, some guys will be ready to go quicker than others. It happens. You see it throughout college football. And that doesn't mean if you don't see Nicholas Harbor, who did play some receiver tonight. I don't know how many snaps he would have played tonight if it weren't for some of these injuries because it was musical chairs a little bit. Of course, we saw Luke Doty out there who did a nice little job. But I, I feel like they have the talent at receivers. I think tonight they just they got banged up, number one. But number two – it was one of those things that they were trying to figure out on the fly. Now, having said that, if you want to put some blame on the OC in terms of saying, okay, why weren't they able to make adjustments? And, Mike, this has been something that people have been bringing up this game. Yeah, I don't know if we have another caller here. We got another caller, so I'll get to you in a minute, Mike, about it. I want to ask your opinion on it, about adjusting the game plan and trying to get maybe Rattler outside of the pocket. If that could have been something they could have done, and if there's a reason why maybe they didn't, I'd like to hear what you have to say. But we're going to go to Shane. We got Joe right here. Joe, we got Shane on the line? All right, Shane, we got we got you on air real quick. Go ahead. Okay. Yep, you're good. If, uh, I just want to know how y'all would evaluate the offensive line <laughs> and what possibly we could do to fix it, maybe start uh, – freshman or if it's going to get better throughout the season. I mean, it is week one and I want to, you know, freak out, but. Yeah. I'll let Mike take that. Mike, I mean, what do you think? I mean, you've been in situations, I'm sure. You've seen your teammates, whether it be the offensive line, just struggling early on in the season. And look, I mean, this is, this is a team. I, and I understand, I understand that this isn't the 85 Bears that you played, okay? I understand that. But at the same time, too, I think going into this game, there was a large portion of this fan base, large portion, that kept wanting to say, well, UNC's defense, they were garbage last year. 
they were garbage last year. And to that, I said back, I said, well, your run defense was bad last year. You know, you, you have to – something was going to give tonight, okay? Something yeah. was going to give. North Carolina's defense, they were able to take advantage of a weak offensive line tonight. There's no question about that. But where do you go from here? You got a game next week against Furman. A Furman team who, in FCS, they're ranked number six. Still, you should be able to beat them. Hopefully that's a game similar to last year with SC State and Charlotte. You develop some confidence. That's the only thing I look at it, Mike. I mean, where do you go from here after tonight? Yeah, I think you're, you're directly – you're correct on that point where you're saying that next week is really going about being confident or building confidence in this offensive line. It's hard to say where you go from here. Really, as an offensive coordinator, I think what you see on the field is what you're going to have to work with. One thing I've noticed with offensive lines is not like most positions where you can filter through the players and an athlete's going to be an athlete. Offensive line, usually those guys take years to develop, and the ones you have starting, there's a reason they're starting. There's somewhat of a, uh, of a talent um, difference between the backup and the starter compared to other skill positions where you don't see that. And so that kind of worries me a little bit because what we're seeing on the field is probably what we're going to have for the rest of the year, realistically. Mm -hmm. And I'm just being real with the Gamecock fans here. So what as an offensive coordinator you have to do is you're going to find ways to adjust. You're going to have to find ways to get the ball out of Spencer's hand. And you're going to have to find ways to make the run effective because if you don't find the run, the way, if you don't find a way to make the run effective, we are going to be in for a long year. And I know, I know what kind of arm talent Spencer has. I mean, we threw the ball almost 40 times with him but yet we have almost nothing to show for it because of a lack of run game and a lack of effective play calling in the red zone. We're going to have to figure things out. And I think, you know, it's game one. Things are going to be adjusted. We finally face a team different than our own players. So I'm optimistic, but we're going to have to see how things go against Furman. All right. We got another phone call. Joe, who we got? I'm, I'm picking it up right now. Hold on. All right, we'll wait for Joe to give us the thumbs up. Again, South Carolina losing tonight to North Carolina here at Bank of America Stadium on a night where offensively USC wasn't able to get much of anything going. And unfortunately, a lot of that had to do with the fact that you didn't have that push from the offensive line, whether it be from the running game. But And Mike, we'll talk about it a little bit later once we get to this phone call. If you're not able to get the run game going, from a passing attack, it's not going to make things easier. So, and you know that, and, you know, we'll, we'll get your thoughts on that in a little bit. But, um, I mean, they go together. I mean, if you're not able to get one going, it's going to be tough to get the other one going. Intern Joe, waiting for you to give us a thumbs up. You let me know for good. All right, we're going to put Intern Joe on. All right, to you, Kenny. All right. Yeah, we got Kenny on the line. Kenny, go ahead. Yeah, what's up, guys? I just wanted to ask real quick. After this game, seeing some of the personnel packages, I just wanted to ask, going into next week against Furman, how much do you see the Gamecocks emphasize on playing some of the younger guys, you know, changing up some of the personnel packages, seeing what some of the younger guys can do? And is this on both sides of the ball you're talking about? Oh, yeah, offense, defense, and maybe even the special teams a little bit. Yeah, awesome. Kenny, right. we appreciate you calling in. Thank you. All right, Kenny, appreciate it. Mike? I'll say this because of what we mentioned a little while ago with the ability to play players in at least four games while also being able to maintain your eligibility. This is a game that regardless of South Carolina had won tonight, that the following week's game, you would assume that you should be able to win. Right. I mean, this is no disrespect to Furman. I know that we have people in the state that are Furman relatives or whatever. 
And even though they are a very good team in FCS, you should be able to handle them. I say that because if there were a game to be able to fool around with some things, if you feel like a freshman is having a great week, or maybe going into tonight, you just weren't expecting them to be ready on a stage like tonight, but they're able to gain some confidence next week, that would be the game to fool around with, and then you go from there. Because obviously, hey, what's in week three? What's on the other side of Furman? you got the two-time defending national champs. you got to play between the hedges against Georgia. So if you're going to experiment with anything, yeah, you could do it next week, but just realize what's on the other side of it, which is Georgia in two weeks. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. You know, if you want to experiment, great. But you got to do this. You got to realize that experimenting is tough, too, because you also know that the guys in the field are the guys that you want to roll with. Those are the ones that performed in camp consistently. Those are the guys who have shined throughout the year in, in spring ball and fall camp mm-hmm. and winter workouts, all these things. So you kind of want to get them to get the confidence they need going into SEC play. You can also say that you want to start experimenting and seeing, but then again, you're not, if you don't kind of create a cohesive group that you know is going to be the, the consistent starters, you're not going to create a confidence. You're not going to create a consistency within the offensive or defensive units. Now, if there's a desperate need for a position change and you're like, we just don't have this right now, then experiment, see what you can do. But I think it's more about experimenting with what type of play calls we're going to do, what kind of stunts we're going to do, blitz packages we're going to bring on. I think that's where we experiment rather than experimenting as much with players. Because, again, you don't want to rush young players in there, but you also want to create confidence and in, in, in consistency within the units that you have starting right now. Yeah, I did have one piece on the offensive line. I know people are saying, like, are you going to play the young guys and, and stuff like that? Obviously, I think they will need to play some of the younger offensive linemen. But to offer, I guess, a beacon of hope in this whole thing, obviously the complaint tonight is about the offensive line. But if you look in the 2024 class, you have one of the best offensive line classes in the country for the 2024 recruiting class. So if you could take away something to look ahead to, you do have the Great Wall of Carolina coming I, up in 2024. And that's not going to help now, but no, it, it, but, the right side. But, and, and Joe, I hear you with that, yeah. and I'm not disagreeing with you whatsoever. But, and the reason I'm saying this is because I don't want people to think we're just, and I know you're not doing this, but yeah, that's why yeah, I want to yeah, cut yeah. in. We're they're, not just blowing smoke up the yeah. backside saying, hey, everything's okay, because certainly it's not. No, I no, think absolutely the, not. the reality is this. The reality is this, okay? Specifically speaking about the offense, you have to figure out what that starting five is going to be next next week. All right? That, that's what it comes down to. You have to figure out what your starting five is. And, Mike, this is what I wanted to ask you, because up in the press box we were talking about it, Colin Taylor, myself, um, and a couple of my of our car- colleagues, they were saying, what can you do differently maybe in the second half? Right? Because I, I don't think, based on what we've been told about Dell Loggins, he's not as stubborn. I think that's probably the best word to describe it, with Mar- as, as Marcus Satterfield probably was during those last two years, and that he will listen to his players and make adjustments. And, again, this is week one. Mike Tyson said everyone has a game plan to get punched in the face. But – and obviously this is hindsight now. Could they have done anything differently based on what you saw tonight, right? Offensive line, they're not being consistent. You're struggling at both left and right tackle. Could they have rolled Rattler out? Could they have done anything differently, you think? Again, just looking back in hindsight. Looking back, yeah, obviously hindsight is always twenty twenty, right? But looking back, yes, of course. They could have probably done some more RPO style to, to at least lighten up the box to keep those backers and those safeties kind of on their toes rather than just crushing down on the, um, on the in the box and stopping the run almost every single time. 
But I, I mean, what else could you have done? Yeah. Realistically, Spencer, there's no you got to be able to throw the ball at least beyond eight to 10 yards to consistently just drive down the field. If you keep nickel and diamond, they're just going to play press man and say, beat us downfield otherwise, or beat us on long developing plays. Otherwise we're not going to, we're just going to load the box up, play man and try and beat us outside. Cause you don't have time to throw the ball. Yep. So I think he's stuck in a pickle because he, what can you do? You keep throwing short routes. The defense is going to adjust. And now you're screwed because you don't have the offensive line right now. Who's playing at a level that's going to give, Spencer, the time to be able to sit back and allow those plays to develop to hit the deep running routes. So, yes, hindsight, you probably could have kept calling shorter plays, lighten up the box, being able to get the ball out of Spencer's hands quickly, knowing that there was pressure. But there's really, I, I don't really think there's much you could have done. You just got to hope your players get in the confidence and the mindset that they're going to be able to take a block one-on-one and not lose it. All right, we have Clark on the line. Yeah, we've got Clark. Clark, go ahead. Hey, guys, I was just curious on your take on um, Doty taking a lot of snaps at wide receiver. I understand that he's a great athlete. Obviously, we know that. But it has to say something about the depth of the wide receiver core. If, if Doty's taking that many snaps at receiver, just curious as to what you guys think. Uh, thank you for all you do, uh, supporting Gamecock Athletics. Thank you, Clark. Appreciate it, Clark. Uh, Mike, we may disagree with this, and I say disagree because I just see this this look on your face. I'm not I'm not entirely worried about the depth at wide receiver, and the reason I say that is they have some dudes, they have some dudes, and we saw flashes of that tonight. The problem is number one, obvious, the obvious one, Juice Wells gets hurt. Okay, we got to talk about depth here, right? Because God forbid Juice Wells isn't able to be 100 percent next week or whatever the case may be, right? Another guy goes down. Offensive line, you really didn't get to see as much tonight. I, look, are there some guys maybe? And I'm, I don't want to throw names. I don't want to be like Eddie Lewis because I don't know. I don't know the specifics right now because it's still so early in the year. Maybe they didn't feel as confident about some of these other players, right? Eddie Lewis, we saw him back on bump return. Really didn't see him. I don't know if we saw him on offense tonight. If he did, there yeah. was only for a couple snaps. So I, I think, look. The fact that Doty was out there, we know how athletic he is. We've been talking about this for years with to carry on Joyner, just trying to find ways to utilize someone. I mean, I, I'm a little surprised knowing that he's the number two quarterback, which means if God forbid something happens to Rattler and Doty were to get injured playing receiver, then maybe you go to Sellers. I don't know. But um, I, I think the bottom line is with wide receivers, it's okay. They had to make some adjustments on the fly tonight. They could have been maybe more prepared for that. If that's what you want to make a case for, I'd agree with that. And maybe this was their plan. But, again, the offensive line, it was really difficult to find any type of rhythm with these wide receivers outside of Xavier Leggett. No, you're completely right. There, there was essentially no way to create a rhythm with the receivers. You're right on that aspect. Now, talking about the depth of the receivers, you're right. Wells being hurt hurts. Nick Harbour being hurt does not help as well. well. You know, that's one of that's our ex receivers right there. Already depth wise, we almost have nobody outside. So you have what Omega Omega Blake, who I thought when I saw him in, in fall camp that he was really good, but I don't think he really got a chance to showcase his ability mm-hmm. and what he did in fall camp to translate to this to tonight's game. The other thing is Marion Brown was he was kind of inconsistent. He had some great catches, and when he was able to catch the ball and be in open field, man, could he make people miss and get the ball down the field quickly. I mean, he has some talent. But then again, on a fourth down, running the shallow route on the outside, you drop an important ball that gets us to continue the drive, 
but yet now we have a turnover on downs. There was a couple times where you were just like, John, come on, man, those are catches I know you can make, but you weren't making them. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is this. Maybe I just saw it because I was on TV or not, but I, it looked like Leggett was pulling up several times. And I know he has a history of injury problems, and that worried me big time when I saw him. Mike, I'll, I'll, cu- I'll cut you off real quickly. There were times where he was, you know, stepping around, you know, on the sideline, kind of like, you know, something tightening up. And now I don't know the specifics of that. There was also a young man. I don't remember. I don't know which player because he had a towel over his face, but he was on crutches walking off. So, yeah, South Carolina, they got banged up pretty good tonight. Joe, looks like you have someone on the line for us. Yeah, we got Alex on the call. Um, first off, Mo Cabo was the guy with the towel. Um, but, Alex, go ahead. Thank you. Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for doing the show. Y'all are heroes for getting on right after the game and letting everybody vent. But my question is for Thank Star. You. I guess just – I know you're not on this team, but what is the quarterback saying to the offensive line after a performance like that? What is the rest of the team saying? What is the vibe on the sideline? Because I know that the fans are frustrated, but it's got to be even more frustrating when you're the one – taking the hits or you're the one letting the block go. I guess, yeah, just what is what is the team thinking uh, after tonight? Yeah. Alex, thank you. I'll let the quarterback answer this one. What you got, Mikey? Yeah, I mean, as a quarterback, it's frustrating because getting hit over and over again and not being able to get into a rhythm that you want to be able to get into is frustrating because you know that you, your team has the talent, at least the skill position to compete with the UNCs and the other SEC teams and like and go toe to toe and beat them. But not being able to get into a rhythm is frustrating. And knowing that it's just not clicking on your offensive line, there's nothing you can do as a quarterback, it's annoying, to be honest. And so I know I saw several times, at least on the TV, and I have no idea if this is what Spencer was shaking his head about, but he was shaking his head several times. And I know that was strictly out of, uh, purely out of uh, frustration with what was going on and constantly having to get hit. But, you know, if there's anything I know about Beamer and the people I've talked to and, and just seeing from the outside looking in, the culture he's creating, I think, is harboring a culture of uplifting each other. And I, I think what we're going to see, and maybe we won't see it, but I, but I know for a fact, maybe we won't see a performance change, but I know for a fact that players are going to be grouping around the offensive line. And instead of being mad at them, they're going to try and motivate them to become better because having them play better is going to help the entire team by getting mad at them is not going to help the team whatsoever. It's not going to build confidence and it's not going to continue to um, produce good talent and good performances out in the field. And so knowing what Beamer's creating, those players right now are trying to uplift those offensive linemen tell them, Hey, it's time to step up. You made those mistakes, learn from them. We have another game next week. And Mike, you just mentioned it, that confidence, right? I mean, how, I mentioned it before, and it looks like we have someone on the phone. We'll get to that right, real quickly. But FC State, Charlotte, and I'm not saying that South Carolina didn't have their hiccups after that. We know they had their hiccups against Missouri. We know they had their hiccups against Florida. But those two games back-to-back last season is really where the confidence for this team came from, and they were able to turn the season around a little mm-hmm. bit. And of course, they finished the year off on a strong note. Joe, we got uh, on the phone. We got Alex for us. Alex, go ahead. Good to go. Oh, what's up, guys? Uh, How are we doing, Alex? I have a question about uh, just because of the absence of the running game, why didn't they make some adjustments like they did last year where they were basically like bringing like two tight ends uh, mm-hmm. and putting one up the backfield like what they did with uh, Nate Atkins and to just help make some space 
in the backfield. You know, I'll just uh, take uh, your answer off here. Sweet. Thank you, Alex. Right. Appreciate it, Alex. Uh, Mike, does it go back? I mean, it's – again, I know it's easy, and it seems like we're just piling on the offensive line. Look, they had a crap night. As a unit, they had a crap night. Yeah. Specific positions, they had a crap night. And we know that a lot of it had to do with the pass blocking, but did you see similar issues in the run game as well? I mean, it's obviously more obvious when you're giving up sacks, but it just seemed like they just didn't create much of a push at all. And how much does not being able to protect the quarterback from a passing block standpoint, uh, from a pass blocking standpoint, how much can that impact the run blocking? Yeah. So, I mean, at least we'll go for your, your latter statement about not being able to, to pass block. So if you're not able to pass block, they're able to put more people in the box because they know their DBs are able to cover the receivers one-on-one -on -one without having to worry about getting extra help or going into a zone where backers are going to have to flare out and not be in the box. And so they're able to just sit in the box, load up the box, and create numbers that are not in our favor when it comes to running the ball. Now, when it comes to the run game, it, it was poor. It was very poor. Um, we're going to have – you know, part of that is poor office lineman play. Part of that is, you know – Sometimes it's vision of the running back. We need, and you know, praise to carry on for being a team player and shifting positions and trying to be effective as, in whatever way he can for this team and help us win games. But it's not easy to shift from a QB to a running back and have the vision of holes because those holes happen quickly. It's based on a very slight inch movement that you just got to react to. And that takes time to adjust. And so not having that time to adjust as a, as a shifting to from a QB to a running back, not always the easiest. So we're going to have to get to carry on help at the running back position because we do need to be able to run the ball. And I think everyone knows that. If we can't run the ball effectively, it's going to affect the entirety of our offensive Patience and appreciate you calling in. All right, Joe, who we got? Um. I'll wait. Intern Joe working the phone lines. I'll wait till he gives us a thumbs up. Uh, I'm going to pull one up that sec, number. Sec, one sec. We good to go, Joe? Right, we good. Yeah. Um, am I in? All right. So, yeah, we got Zach on the line. Zach, go ahead. All right. Thank you. That's the thing, McCall. Um, oh. From everything uh, I saw on the screen, I thought we did uh, – I thought I didn't think the play calling was that bad. I thought some people complained about play calling. Uh, I was wondering, Mike, what was your thoughts on the play calling? All right. Thank you. All right. Zach, appreciate it. Mike, you was asking just your overall thoughts on the play calling tonight. I, I thought early on, except for the, excluding the first drive, I thought early on our play calling was was played or it was called well. I, you know, we were getting the ball out. You can't you can't do anything about poor offensive lineman play. But when it comes to getting players open, giving Spencer the ability to throw a one on one route, I thought I thought overall it was it was played or it was coached well, and I thought the play calls were effective. Now, obviously. We're going to have to figure out the run game. Mm -hmm. And that comes down to both running back and offense lineman play. I, everyone runs the same offense. Or everyone runs the same freaking run plays. So it's not like it's a lot of schematics. Sometimes it's just athletes being athletes and offensive linemen being really good at blocking. So we're going to have to figure that out. But when it comes to getting spent, I mean, your QB doesn't just go 30 for 39 with, that, with poor play calling. You know, people were getting open. Like he – Unlike last year where Spencer was struggling to find people to get open a lot of times, I think I think he's created an offensive scheme and system where receivers, if they're given the time to run their routes fully, are able to get open. And we have the athletes too. So I thought overall it was probably a well-coached game, but 
there were sometimes I there was some calls I questioned, especially on those fourth down and third long calls where I thought we could have been more aggressive. But hey, real real quickly, real quickly, um, Aaron Bruce once he brings up you know the four star wide receiver from Texas, Landon Sampson just not performing. I could have sworn he was going to be a weapon at slot. Anyone know what's going on with him? I know what's going on with Landon, um, and I'll say this: I don't want to put too much out there. Um, there is something that they've been dealing with a personal matter from the family. Um, and you know, just keep landing in the, the Samson family in your prayers. Everything's going to be okay. Um, but I don't want to overstep my, my, uh, my boundaries by putting stuff out there that, you know, just in, in respect to the family. So I'm bringing that up there because I know there's some, some people saying, you know, where is he? He's dealing with some stuff right now from a personal matter. And again, just keep the Samson family in your prison. What you got, Joe? Yeah, absolutely. We got Rooster Claw calling in. Rooster, go ahead, boss. Yes, sir, man. Good evening to y'all brothers, man. I hope y'all have a blessed night. So this is what I'm saying. What I noticed is that the defense was doing stunt on the right side of our offensive line all night. Long. Mm-hmm. Uh, the right side of the offensive line is weak. And what I noticed is that Spencer Rattler kept rolling out right into the teeth of the defense on the right side. My question is, would it have been better for him to notice that the defense was biting on that side and start rolling out to the upper side more often? And that's all I have to say. And I hope y'all have a good night. We appreciate that. What you got for us, Mike? Was he ask? Was he saying that the, the pressure was coming to Spencer from the right side, and why he was rolling out from the right or to the right? He just, yeah, I think basically who was saying is North Carolina just kept attacking that side. I mean, obviously they were coming left and right, middle. I mean, it didn't really make a difference. But from a stunt standpoint, a lot of those twists were coming on that right side. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that goes back to probably a comfortability thing where Rattler feels comfortable going out to the right side. We all know that. I mean, people have tendencies, whether it be football, basketball, it doesn't matter what the, the sport is. It felt like, I think it, what he's trying to say is that he kept going out there yeah. to the right. Okay. I mean, at that point, at that point, yeah. is it more I, so just the fact that, you know, he just was trying to make something happen and that's his yeah. comfortable side. I mean, I'll let Joe go and then I'll, I'll answer. I was going to say, I hate to pin this on injuries, but that right side was the side that you were banged up on. So yeah. I think that's, that's how they were getting the push. But Scar, I mean, I'm really interested to hear what you have to say about this too. Yeah. So, I mean, one thing Mike brought up was, you know, just being comfortable. Any right-handed QB is going to want to be able to go to the right side because that's their, it's just easier to throw. You get more torque. It's the rolling out to the left is not cohesive to a right-handed quarterback. That's one. The second thing is this. When you have offense, when you have guys running at you this way, you don't want to run with them by rolling to the left. It's going to create. They're just going to keep. They're not going to lose their pace of um, their pace, and they're just going to run you down. So you want to kind of do a move and get to the right because now they have to change direction and pace. So as a QB, it's like what you're. It's one thing you're taught to do, is you want to avoid pressure by going sort of the opposite way by creating. It. So if they're coming at you from the right, you want to go right because now they have to change direction and pace, and it gives you more time. Yeah, I love that answer. Straight from the QB's mouth. <laughs> hey, if you guys wasn't, want, I wasn't fast, so I, I, I usually probably just got sacked. <laughs> hey, want to pull want to pull this up real quick? If you guys want to call into the program, we're going to wrap things up probably in the next ten minutes or so yep. as we approach midnight and head into Sunday, call. September third. That number to call into the program is 803-881-2233. Take a step out of the way real quick. Give you guys a shot of Bank of America Stadium as. 
people are making their way off the field and clearing things up. Obviously, a disappointing night for South Carolina as they fall in their opener to North Carolina. Again, Thurman is next week, all right? You still have 11 games to go in the regular season. I understand tonight there is frustration. Honestly, it probably just feels like you got kicked to the groin more than anything because it's week one. There was obviously a lot of momentum that was created towards the end of last season. How many times in the offseason we hear about the Tennessee win, and Clemson wins, back-to-back weeks, and rightfully so. But they weren't able to carry that momentum into this year. And obviously, look, Mike, you remember, I'm not trying to bring back bad memories, but it's not always easy to do that. I mean, 2017, South Carolina had a phenomenal season. They go to the Gator, I mean, excuse me, they go to the Outback Bowl, lose some talented guys, and then what happens? South Carolina, you guys bounce back and, uh, you know, you, you, you play in the Belk Bowl and everyone remembers how that season ended. And that year three is really tricky. It's really tricky. And this is what Beamer's facing this season. And I'm not saying that you should expect this program to take a step back. It's just tough sometimes to stay consistent. That's not making excuses up. That's just the reality of it. It looks like we have a phone call, Mike. So before I turn things over and start to look ahead to next week, we'll wait for intern Joe to give us a thumbs up. And we'll kind of move ahead with the next caller. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you got Thurman next week. You're going to have a huge opportunity to be able to correct some things against a team that you should be able to beat. You should be able to beat. And then, of course, you got a tough one against Georgia. And then the following week, you got to play a Mississippi State team who they've gone through a lot. You want to talk about a resilient group. Resilient group, that is a resilient group. Everything they've gone through in the past 12 months. Uh, Joe, we good to go? Intern Joe, all right. Yep. Who we got, Joe? We got Kent on the line. Kent, go ahead. Hey, uh, I was just saying that tonight looked pretty ugly, but I do think it was just some jitters and a big stage that we might necessarily we might not necessarily have been on. So my question to you guys is. How do you think Shane Beamer and his coaching staff, how do you think they respond to this, whether it's practice or play calling? What do you think does to respond? All right. Appreciate that. Mike, you've been in situations, unfortunately, like this, right? Come out there week one, doesn't go your way. You got to bounce back. You have 11 more games to go. Kind of, Kind of walk us through what these next 24, 48 hours are like. For, for the players as they get ready to turn the page to Furman. Yeah. So, I mean, again, like you said, perfectly, there's 11 more games, a lot of time to improve, but there's also not that much time to improve, you know, at the same, on the same token, but you don't have an idle week next week. You, no, no, you don't you go right yeah. into it, but you know, one thing you're going to do is that's the first game you've had to face a, an opponent beyond just what your defense and offensive are. And so mm-hmm. you get to really see how your players react against adversity, against another team, and especially against a top 25 team. They're going to go into film probably tomorrow and probably Monday. I don't know which day they're going to go in, but they're going to go in. They're going to break down everything. They're going to, have, they're going to be able to just watch and see where everyone can improve. And sometimes you need to see yourself facing another opponent beyond just your own teammate to see those things that you need to improve on. And so they're, the coaches are going to game plan properly. The uh, players are going to be able to see where they made the mistakes, and they're going to hopefully take it personally and improve on those upon this week. But, you know, it's hard to say because 
really, I think it's going to come down to the culture that Beamer's building. These players can get frustrated with being built, like, hyped up around there. Everyone saw it. There was a bunch of expectations going into this season. Spencer's final season. I think we had a lot of big recruiting class coming. We have a big recruiting class coming in, a lot of players coming back. I think people were excited about this season. There was a big hype around us going and performing well. You know, nine, 10 wins. I heard yep. that we circulated all throughout. So when you lose game one, if you don't have a resilient group who can respond well to adversity, you're going to see probably a very average mediocre season, but I don't think that's the culture Beamer's creating. So I think what you're going to see is people responding well to the, the constructive criticism they're going to receive over the next couple of days, mm-hmm. hopefully translate that to the field with better performances. Yeah. Again, if you're just tuning in again, if you're just tuning into the program, a disappointing night for South Carolina as they fall to North Carolina to kick off their 2023 season. And, you know, looking at a lot of the comments here, you know, look, tonight's game, there's no there's no way to sugarcoat it, all right? There's issues. There's issues on both sides of the ball. There's issues. When we talk about special teams, not directly there was issues. I mean, obviously, if you really want to nitpick, right, I'm sure Alemba, when he goes back, we're talking about punt coverage. They, they got to do a better job of communicating, right? I mean, I think there's a play in particular that you guys saw where the returner's back there and he's going to the left. A beautiful job by the UNC returner. And you have four guys crashing down, four gunners, and they're standing right in front of him. Where's the ball? It's to the left. You know, that comes down to communication, being able to call out where the ball's going. Left, 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 left. So you know, so you can be down in that situation. Now, that was right before the half. But if you had watched it, even though UNC, the very next play, they took a knee, Beamer was steaming on the sideline. Steaming. It goes back to doing the little things where they were very, very sound last year, special teams-wise, on top of the fact of what we said. Onside kick, right? They have the balls to do that to start the second half. But what happens? They're not able to capitalize that into points. You throw that onside kick along with those two turnovers, as we mentioned, and South Carolina only had three points off turnovers tonight. Three points. I mean, that's just ridiculous. And again, yep. we mentioned the fact of not being able to get off the field on third downs. I think it was, what, eight for 13? Something like that. I mean, it was something ridiculous what North Carolina yeah. did. So you're not going to win games. I don't care who you are. Um, Furman next week, though. Furman next week, you got to turn the page. You got to play them, and you got to be ready to go. Uh, before we wrap things up, want to hear a couple ad reads, and then we'll have our final thoughts. Appreciate everyone that tuned in tonight. We had a big audience as, uh, as we approach now. As we were already are here on Sunday, but approaching the one-hour mark of our program. Um, tonight's show, as it always is, and every GC Live show is brought to you by our good friend Clint Hammond of the Movement Mortgage. If you are interested in purchasing a home, right now it's a difficult time to be able to find the best rates, but Clint, Clint can do that for you. He did that for our very own Wes Mitchell, as well as former Gamecock quarterback Perry Orth. He can help you and your family be able to find that dream house of yours and be able to find the best rates out there in a time where it is not very easy to be able to do so. Today's program is also also brought to you by our good friends over at Liberty Tax. Tax yeah, absolutely, Mike. Liberty Tax, tax anxiety is that uncertain feeling you get right before doing your taxes, but you don't have to go through it alone. The tax team at Liberty Tax in Irmo, Lexington, and Columbia will walk you through the process, clear up any confusion, and guarantee you'll get the biggest possible refund or your money back. It's tax time. If you're in a hurry for your refund, call the tax team at Liberty Tax, fast, accurate, and guaranteed. On the other hand, if you think you might be owing Uncle Sam, talk to the Liberty Tax team to make sure you're not paying more than you should owe. They'll find every possible deduction for you, locally owned and operated, staffed by tax professionals from your neighborhood, open 9 to 9 on weekdays and 9 to 5 on Saturdays with multiple service options. 
start through the Liberty Tax mobile app or through the desktop portal, make an appointment or just walk in, give a call to upload your tax documents. And when you come in, your return will be ready to review and sign. Give them a call at 803-462-5576. Once again, 803-462-5576 for all of your tax needs. All right, boys, let's wrap it up. Again, appreciate everyone that tuned in tonight. Wish we could be talking about a Gamecock victory tonight, but unfortunately that's not the case. And again, as we are in Sunday mode now, as we rolled into Sunday, it's just rolled over past midnight, 12.08 right now, as uh, I'm at Bank of America Stadium. Getting a little bit chillier here. Football season certainly is here, and the Gamecocks will hopefully bounce back with the win when they play at williams Bryce next week. Go down the line. Scar, let's start with you. Where where do you – when you're talking about the South Carolina team, what do you want to see from them, right? The obvious is win a game, be able to score points. What do you want to see in particular from this team? It could be from the offense. It could be from the defense. It could be just big picture. Yeah. Uh, two things, obviously. I think three things, actually. is going to be better offensive line play. We have got to have it. If we want to have a plus win season and win in the SEC play, we're going to have to have the offensive line play better, both for Spencer and our run game. That brings me to the next point. Our run game is going to have to improve. Whether that's finding ways for DK and Juju to get the ball and create more space and yards, or whether that's finding another guy who can get in there and create. I know we have, I believe it's the Newberry transfer. Correct me if I'm wrong. Right, the Newberry transfer. Mario, yep. you know, Mario I, Anderson. Yep. I don't know where he's been or what he did in fall camp, but maybe it's time to see what he can do in a real game. Some people perform better in games than they do in practice, but we need to find a way to get the run game together. A positive on offense is I saw some really good play from our wide receivers. I'm excited about that group. I think that group could help us play against the best player or the best teams in the nation. Now on the defensive side. One thing I think two things we need to improve on is our run defense, 100%. We're going to have to be able to stop the run. We're going to face teams who are really good at running, and if we can't stop that, our defense is going to be on the field for a long time facing really good opponents and getting potentially exposed in the pass game. But our linebackers are also going to have to get better in space. One thing I noticed is when the tight ends and the slot receivers were in the middle of the field while we were in zone or whether we were in man, they were getting beat. They were getting lost in space. They're going to have to improve at the linebacker position and on the front four on the D-line position on defense. I thought our corners looked really good. Um, uh, Dial and Fortune, right? Dial and Fortune. Two good guys, really good good players. I think I didn't really see much from the outside receivers from UNC winning much. Maybe maybe they won a couple times on those guys, but for the most part, they were winning. And so I think overall – we need to fix our run game. We need to fix offensive line, and we need to find a way to stop the run. Yeah, Joe. Joe, what you got? Absolutely, uh, Scar. I, I agree completely. You got to find some identity in the run game. I think I was I was impressed for Dakarion Joiner's first game at, at running back. I think he's got the size to play running back in the SEC. Obviously, I think tonight's the finger's going to go towards the offensive line. They were poor in the run game, poor in the passing game, so. Um, the fault lies there. They got to clean it up. I think I, I would trust Lonnie and, and Greg Adkins to find a way to get some cohesion in this group. You need that. You also need it on the defensive side of the ball. You need a better push up front. You got to stop the run. I mean, it's the SEC. And even though, you know, UNC isn't an SEC football team, you got to be able to stop the run and run the football. And they didn't do that tonight. Um, plain and simple. I think, you know, defensively, your corners looks good. Like Scar said, I think, 
you know, there were a couple guys that got in and made some plays back in the secondary at, at safety. And that, you know, that should be something to hold your head high on, but you need Nick, Nicky Minwar, you need Dick, DQ Smith to play well. Um, so I, I think, and then two, your linebackers stone blank. You need a little bit more out of him, but um, you know, you're deep at linebacker. And then when you you're missing Mo Kaba, your third starter at linebacker, that hurts prayers up for Mo. I really hope, you know, it's not really a long-term thing because great person. You, you wanted to see him back on the field and he's, he is a big part of this defense and you saw what happens when you miss him a lot of run blocking and you just don't have the guys. It's, it's not as deep um, at, in at defensively as you want to be. And um, Mike, last thing I'll say is listen to the walkthrough tomorrow. Um, episode one coming out tomorrow night around five, six o'clock. So tune in for that. Um, should be a whole lot of fun. Got Colin Taylor, Kendall Smith coming on. Um, should be pretty good. So I'm excited about that. Now, and how about this? You know, we, we already hit on everything that, that South Carolina needs to do in order to be able to bounce back next week. And it goes out, you know, it's the obvious, right? Offensive line, we talked about the defense too. I'm going to bring up some of the positives tonight that we really didn't hit on. And Gamecock Riv brings this up, you know. And we talk about this all the time. Mike, you're going to smile, right? You know, he says he's a coach. And when you go back and watch the film, it's not always as bad as it looks. And just like when you do something good, it's not always as good as it looks, right? The eye in the sky don't lie. But when you go back and watch the film, it always tells the story. So, you know, look, bottom line is this. The frustrating part about tonight's game is as ugly as it was. And, again, th this isn't trying to put a spin zone on it. This is just being realistic. When they go back and watch the film, they're going to be kicking themselves, right? You talk about the, the missed blocking assignments, the missed tackles, all that stuff. As bad as that was, the craziest part about it is as bad as that was, they still almost friggin' won this game. I mean, it's the God's honest truth. They got down in the red zone, Could have got down it. the red zone, right? And then you have the intentional ground and you go back. You got you got stopped when you had to kick a field goal, right, to be able to set up because it was a three-possession game. And I know there's some fans that were probably upset about that, but I still felt like at that time it was the right decision. And shoot, if they were able to punch it in on that drive where it was the intentional grounding where they got no points, then it's one-possession game. So I say all of that because as bad as it was, and again, I'm not saying that North Carolina is world beaters, but at the same time, too, they are a ranked team for whatever that's worth. Again, it's preseason rankings that you're really basing it off of. But what I'm trying to get at is as bad as it was tonight, you still had a chance to win. And if you can clean things up against a power five team in week one, you go up against a Furman next week, you're able to generate some um, confidence. Yes, you have to play George in two weeks. Yes, you have to play Georgia in two weeks. It's the SEC. It's going to get tougher. We know that. But if you're yeah. able to generate some of that confidence, this team can bounce back and be the team that I think a lot of people expected them to be, whether that be seven wins, whether that be eight wins. This season, more than anything, and some people don't want to hear it, it's a bridge year. It's a bridge year between what you created from the foundation standpoint in years one and two into the future. Year three is always the trickiest year. Go ask Will Muschamp. Go ask the coaches out there, right? Because the, the heat gets turned up if you're not able to succeed. If you started off crappy the first two years, year three, that might be it for you. If you're able to have success those first two years, or especially that second year, and you head into year three, and you start to go backwards, fans are going to let you hear it. That's what's happening tonight. So, again, gain that confidence. A couple good things tonight to point out, because, again, we've, we've talked about a lot of negatives, and rightfully so. I thought Stone Blinn. He did a good job tonight, all things considered. Not saying that, you know, when you grade him out, he's going to have a perfect score by any means, missed tackles, but he looked a hell of a lot quicker, right? Lost about 10, 12 pounds, moving around sideline to sideline. They used him 
as a spy at linebacker for most of the game. I thought he did a good job on May for the most part. Um, I, I thought Tonka Hemingway, he did some good things. Yes, as a unit, they, they have to do a better job of being able to get to the quarterback as a whole. They have to. They have to. They have to. They have to. And Spencer Rattler, again, all things considered, he was able to protect the football. It would have been real easy. If this is Spencer Rattler, right, from a year ago with this offensive line tonight, I think he would have had at least two interceptions. I would have felt like he would have gone out there and tried to force things and felt like he had to try to make something happen. He did try to make things happen, but he was smart about it. Yeah. I don't know if you want to talk about that real quick, Mike, just to, to for people to understand. There's a difference between trying to make something happen and then trying to make something happen and, you, and you're really dumb about it, right? We saw that last year against Georgia where he scrambled all the way to the right and he thought he was freaking Brett Favre throwing it cross field and it got picked off. Did you did you sense that tonight though with yeah, what Rattler it, was trying to work with? Hundred percent. And like people I've talked to within the organization, they've seen a maturity level or a maturity growth in Spencer, especially at the QB position specifically, that wasn't there last year. They see him maturing into a essentially kind of a, a smart NFL style quarterback, one who's going to make smart decisions. But again, like you were pointing out. Last year, I think Spencer's going to throw those low percentage throws and trust his arm because he knows he has one of the most talented arms. He's going to try and force it in there. Those balls that are 50-50, 30-70, whatever they may be. This year, I think he's been coached and probably matured to the point where he's like, I'm not going to have to put my team in a position that could hurt us on a ball that's a 50-50 or a 30-70 or lower just because I trust my arm. Instead, let me make a smart decision and I did see that. I saw him going around there, scanning the field, seeing things, but not forcing a ball, throwing it away when he had to, throwing it to the right spot so it wouldn't get picked off and only his receiver could make it, rather than trying to, th trying to throw it to the perfect spot or the, the spot where his, you know, that is slightly open. But all that to say is I agree with Mike on that one. Spencer's mature as a QB. We saw it tonight. And I think that's an exciting thing for Game Cognition. Well, Michael Skarnecki, we appreciate you hopping back on with us for season two of the GC Live postgame show. Intern Joe doing a hell of a job with the phone lines tonight. We appreciate people bearing with us. A little bit different, kind of give you guys a look. You know, so we come out of that tunnel over there. We have to wait until the field's cleared off because of the credentials that we have here. And uh, that's why we got on the field a little bit later than we had hoped. But bottom line is we want to be able to do these shows as quickly as possible after the game. If you're new to this, just real quickly, guys, Yes, we're not able to show the post-game show live. That's not something that, unfortunately, we have the rights to. There's a different radio station in town, and even though we do a lot of work with them during the course of the season, I'm not going to mention their name right now, and that's not a slight against them. It's just that we want you guys to tune in to our show, and you're not going to be able to get insight like this anywhere else. I mean, that's just the God's honest truth. If you want specifically, specifically Gamecock insight, Michael Skarnack, and we had Perry Worth last year. We're going to mix Perry mix in another guest or two this year. You won't get anywhere else. Plus, you have an opportunity to ask Michael Skarnick and these former Gamecocks questions directly. So, again, appreciate everyone. Mike, I got one comment, one question for you real quick. How what did you got? Gamecock Nation show up at the stadium? They did good. I mean, it was incredible. I'll say it's tough. I'm looking at the field right now. So, you're looking – the camera's facing the visitor sideline, correct? I'm not, I don't – because I'm up in the press box. I wasn't yeah, watching yeah. the broadcast. Yeah, so yeah, you yeah. Probably, you probably saw a lot of blue. So over here, yeah. over here, that's where UNC was sitting, right? And then across, that's where you had South Carolina. That section, the lower bowl, it was all it was all Tar Heel blue, and then it was obviously a lot of garden on the other side. 
up top though, there was a lot of garnet. If I had to put a percent on it, I'd probably say like 65, 65, 35 Gamecock fans, if not 70, well. 30. So I say they that because well. Gamecock fans, they showed up tonight. And I know a lot of them are disappointing yeah. uh, that they weren't able to see their team win. Surprised. Yeah, that's yeah. great to hear they showed up. Yeah. Uh, real quick. Hey, real quickly. Real quickly, Tim. And I'm going to be very professional about this and, and not try to swing down. You say that this is what happens when you get Division II-type uh, portal guys. You also brought in a Division II corner a couple years ago who started seven games for you, who also signed with the Pittsburgh Steelers. But I'm sure as a Gamecock fan, you are aware of that. All right? Oh, in Carlin's Patel. Oh. Okay? So it's just game one. Whether that's a shot at Mario Anderson, whether that's a shot at Nick Gargiulo, who, by the way, was the only captain for Yale last year, and NFL teams started to look at him when he was at Yale, but you probably already knew that too. That's FCS, by the way. So it's real easy right now after game one to be getting on some of these guys, but just do your homework first, okay? I don't want to be swinging down, but don't don't be saying stuff like that when you don't know what the heck you're talking about. And we're ending on that note. Again, appreciate everyone that tuned in tonight. He's Joe. Intern Joe, he's Michael Skarnecchia. I'm Mike Yuva reporting from Bank of America Stadium. We'll do this again next week, folks. And again, the walkthrough tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. Go listen to the walkthrough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Intern Joe within GC Live programming Monday through Friday live. Appreciate you. Have a good night, everybody, and safe travels back to Charlotte.